there, and welcome to the Cultureverse Podcast, a new bi-weekly podcast that serves as a place where I can discuss the subjects that interest me from within the vast universe of popular culture. On this show, I'll be talking about comics, films, books, music, etc. Basically, I want to create a platform to discuss the things which I love, or that I'm intrigued by, that I want to share with anyone willing to listen, who I hope will love them just as much as I do in turn. Some subjects will be incredibly popular, and some I feel are very underappreciated, unknown, or just flat out not talked about enough. So, without further ado, let's get to today's subject, shall we? On this inaugural episode of the Cultureverse podcast, I want to talk about an unpublished comic book that I've rarely seen talked about outside of a couple of random articles and and blog posts here and there and in my opinion, it deserves a closer look. I want to discuss with you, Batman, the Kingdom of the Mad. So strap in. So, when it comes to the Cape Crusader, most comic book fans would know the classic tales. The Dark Knight Returns, The Killing Joke, The Long Halloween, The Man Who Laughs, Death in the Family, and many, many more. I would be here for hours if I were to try to name them all, and I'd still probably miss some. But what if I told you about a Batman story that was so crazy and so bizarre that it would be like nothing else you've ever seen before from the world's greatest detective. Well, unfortunately, I would be a little too right, because as mentioned previously, the story I'm going to tell you about today has, as of this moment, never been published. Nonetheless, allow me to introduce you to Batman The Kingdom of the Mad, a six-issue miniseries which would have been written by My Chemical Romance frontman and the leader of the Black Parade himself, Gerard Way. But first of all, for anyone listening who isn't aware, outside of this, outside of his successful musical career, Gerard is an accomplished figure within the comic book industry as well. He's written numerous works such as the Eisner award-winning Umbrella Academy Apocalypse Suite and its sequels Dallas and Hotel Oblivion, a graphic novel series which has since been adapted into a great Netflix series. He wrote The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys with Sean Simon, a comic that served as a sequel to the story of My Chemical Romance's fourth album, the concept album, Danger Days, The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys. Way also created an alternate universe version of Spider-Man known as Penny Parker or SPDR, a character was featured in the Spider-Verse and Spider-Geddon comic events and who most people would know from her role in the Oscar award-winning animated movie, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He's written a fantastic run on Doom Patrol that along with Arnold Drake's original 1960s run and Grant Morrison's famous run a few decades later, heavily contributed to the plot of the also fantastic DC Universe slash HBO Max show of the same name. Gerard Way even has his own DC Comics imprint titled Young Animals. And just for good measure, the guy also worked in a comic book store as a teenager, so it's safe to say the man knows what he's doing when it comes to comic books. But I'm not here to talk about any of those things in detail today. I'm here to tell you about Gerard Way's off-forgotten and yet unpublished Batman series The Kingdom of the Mad, a series that would leave some Batman fans disappointed with its numerous and extreme changes to the mythos, and leave some people like myself who love alternate takes on classic characters such as Superman, Red Sun, or the Injustice Universe, rejoice in the fun of new and abstract ideas. 
Not too much is known about the story overall, but some information has trickled out of the proverbial drainpipe over the years via Gerard Way's personal Twitter account and various different interviews. The six-issue miniseries, to be published under DC Comics' Vertigo imprint, would have centered around all-new and frankly rather bizarre interpretations of Batman, the Bat Family, and his infamous rogues gallery, all characters that we shall discuss now. There was a total of eight characters that I could find to be 100% confirmed. Some we know more about than others, who we know very little about. But here's a rundown of all the characters confirmed to appear in Kingdom of the Mad and what information we do actually have on them. First up is Catwoman. Very little is known about her character, but when Gerard Way was asked if Harley Quinn would have appeared, he said at the time there were no plans in place for her to be in the series, but that Catwoman would appear and she would be quote, very weird. She's also the only confirmed character from the story without any publicly known concept art. Next up, Penguin. In a tweet featuring three pieces of the character's concept art, Way captioned it with, the Honorable Judge, making it pretty clear that in this universe, Oswald Cobblepot would have been involved in the legal system, which is also shown by a shoulder-up sketch of the Penguin wearing a powdered wig and black rope, stereotypical judge garb. However, the concept art suggests that at some point in the story, he may have surpassed that role and became the mayor of Gotham City, as the piece of concept art also has a smaller drawing of the character wearing a suit with a sash dripped across it, as well as showing him with slick back hair and a classic twirly mustache, looking quite mayoral all around. It also helps that the smaller drawing also has the word mayor question mark, written next to it. Other than that, in the central drawing, his design appears fairly consistent with what we've seen from the Penguin in previous iterations of the character. And then, we have Two-Face. Two-Face is normally Gotham's district attorney turned two-tone suit wearing, coin-flipping criminal. However, una I'm unable to tell if he would have held such a high position in Gerard's story, as judging from the concept art, it appears as though Harvey Dent may have at some point been a police, a police officer, or maybe even a security guard at the asylum. Quick little side note, I'll mention the asylum a couple times throughout this podcast. Presumably, it's the famed Arkham Asylum we all know, but I couldn't find anything actually using that specific name for the series, so I'll just continue to refer to it as the asylum. One of my own theories is that he was possibly an officer or a guard there, and after whatever happened to transform Harvey into Two-Face in this world, he just carried on believing he still was. Or, maybe he's wearing a disguise for one reason or another. Although, I imagine that's quite hard with the mug he's got, or maybe I'm completely wrong. Who knows? I certainly don't, but the sketch also suggests that the disfigured half of his face may be blue in color, just as it appears in Batman the Animated Series. Then we have a real interesting one here, Riddler. It looks as though Edward Nygma may have been employed by the Asylum, presumably in a fairly prominent position as apparently he had his own office, which he filled with clues written all around it to what I've no idea, but if I were to hazard a guess I'd say probably riddles. Said office also featured numerous taxidermized animals for decorative purposes, I guess. The concept art to me 
suggests that his design may have been inspired by the famous painting La Fille de l'Homme, which translates to the Son of Man in English by French artist René Magritte. And his final design may have been darker in color overall than the traditional green that we used for the concept. Another interesting thing of note about our boy Riddler here is that rather than the purple or green domino mask he's usually depicted with, he wears a full face mask that is quote, more like a bag, with a large question mark sprawled across the face of it. But Way's art suggests that he always keeps the same exact suit on, even when he puts that bag on, so it can't be to conceal his identity. Perhaps the mask allows Edward Nigma to tap into some sort of dangerous alter ego for whatever reason. Ed would put the mask on, and it turns him from his simple inquisitive self into the violent and malignant Riddler. I can't actually say that as fact, of course, but I think it's an interesting theory nonetheless. Then we come to a very unique and very macabre take on Freeze. Once again, not much is known about Victor Freeze or his depiction in the comic book overall, but what we do know is that he wears a suit of armor that was constructed to resemble his dead wife and is made out of the leftover pieces of scrap metal from her fatal car accident. So that's... cool. Sorry. I do really like this character design though, and it's pretty original to take the story of Freeze trying to save his cryogenically frozen, sick and dying wife, which you can see play out in the Batman the Animated Series episode Heart of Ice, into one of complete and utter obsession, trauma, grief, and pure mental instability. There's also a small rough sketch in the corner of the concept art that looks like it shows smokestacks that expel snow instead of smoke. Presumably that's where he would live. A sort of interesting thing to note on the side here is that all of the characters appear to have dropped their denoting titles. So, the Riddler is just Riddler, the Penguin became Penguin. Mr. Freeze is now just Freeze. I found it rather notable, but it's more than likely nothing, probably just short form or an artistic choice. However, it does lead us nicely into our next character, the Joker, or just Joker. This Joker is perhaps the most unexpected, unique, and utterly polarizing version of the character to date. Sorry, Leto. Gone completely are the days of vibrant red lip smiles, neon green locks, and eccentric purple suits. Instead, they are exchanged for black hair, black lips, black nails, dark circles around his eyes, fingerless wool gloves, and a penny coat. Also black. Along with an alternate attire probably from the asylum, a hospital gown, pants, and slippers. He also carries around a child-sized Dracula mask, the reason for which is unstated. The only thing appearance-wise that seems to have survived Way's redesign is that ghostly white pale skin we all know. In appearance, he is more Tim Burton-esque than Tim Burton's actual take on the Joker. Yet, the biggest change to Joker's character isn't with the outfits that make him look more like your typical high school goth than the Clown Prince of Crime. It's that he's actually the youngest character in the whole of the limited series. He is only 19 years old in this interpretation, one to two years younger than the next character we'll discuss. Oh, and according to the concept art, he may have a cat. Now on to that next character. The boy wonder, Robin. 
Dick Grayson is fitted with a crushed velvet and green leather costume with a masquerade mask. He's an acrobat just as he is in the mainline DC depiction where he and his parents make up the Flying Graysons. However, this sketch refers to him as a quote, Victorian acrobat, which I'll come back to real soon. Robin's physical appearance is reportedly based on Gerard's brother and fellow MCR bandmate, Mikey Way. Dick even wears a medal in the shape of a Robin, similar to the medal Mikey wears in, the, in My Chemical Romance's music video for Welcome to the Black Parade, rather than the traditional R logo he usually sports. The most important thing about him, though, is according to Gerard himself, he is the only person in the story who isn't crazy. Speaking of crazy, you guys just wait till I get to Batman. But first, I wanted to mention the era of time the Kingdom of the Mad appears to take place in. In my opinion, based on the evidence provided by the sketches, I believe that these six issues take place within the Victorian era similar to Gotham by Gaslight. I came to this conclusion based on various character designs, such as Riddler's tailcoat and bowler hat, common style at the time, Penguin's powdered wig, Frieza's retro futuristic steampunk armor, steampunk being a style that blends futurism and technology with fashion trends of specifically the Victorian era, Robin being explicitly called a Victorian acrobat, and Joker's gun. The gun Joker holds in the concept art appears to me to be a British bulldog revolver. A small revolver first introduced in England in 1872, the middle of the Victorian era, and made to fit in a petticoat pocket. But it is possible that Wade was going for a more timeless look, mixing, old, mixing in older fashion conventions and architecture with modern technology and society. Something common in many depictions of Batman, as we've only ever seen, in, as we've only ever seen designs for individual characters and not buildings, gadgets, cars, or anything else along those lines, it's tough to say for certain. Now that that's out of the way, allow us to get to the really crazy stuff. Let's talk about the man, the myth, the legend himself. It's time for us to discuss the Batman. This is a version of Batman the likes of which you have never seen before. And I say that without a hint of hyperbole. I don't even really know where to begin, so I suppose we'll start with the familiar. Bruce Wayne was the son of Thomas and Martha Wayne, two Gotham socialites who were brutally murdered. And that's it. That's about where the similarities between this story's Batman and the Cape Crusader were used to all end, besides wearing black and dressing like a bat. But following the murder of his parents, instead of being brought back to Wayne Manor, orphaned and left in the capable care of his loyal butler and best friend Alfred Pennyworth, he was institutionalized at the asylum. And aside on Alfred, there was never an official word on if he'd appear in the miniseries or not, and I haven't seen this brought up in any of the articles I've seen. But I found a tweet from June of 2013 where Wei while engaging with a Batman fan seemingly quite incensed at the changes being made to the mythos, snarkily said, I bet you already have Alfred in a gas mask for no fucking reason, right? To which Ray responded with, Nah, 
He's the leader of the Order of Hecate, homeless knights that live under Gotham that adopt Batman at 30 years old. Now, I have absolutely no idea if Gerard is being serious and this was something he actually planned on implementing into the story, or if he's just trying to troll and rile up this unnecessarily angry Twitter user further. But nonetheless, I found it worth mentioning. As an aside to my aside, people, if you don't like the direction a comic, a book, a movie, or whatever else is taking, just don't watch it or read it. It solves the problem. Or, despite your reservations, give it a cautiously optimistic shot, and maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised. At the end of the day, it's all media, it's all just for fun. But yeah, anywho, let's get back to bats. Like in the Burton films and Matt Reeves' upcoming movie The Batman, Bruce Wayne wears black grease paint underneath his cowl. His skin would have been riddled with a large amount of scars, something that's also common in many interpretations of the character. However, unlike the older cloth and spandex suit or more armored realistic ones in more modern stories, his costume, or at least parts of it, appear to have been made out of leather and junk. Another interesting thing to be seen about the costume itself is that drawn on the interior of the cape is a sprawling drawing of some magical kingdom, Bruce's personal version of heaven, his own Valhalla. Oh, also, this Bruce Wayne genuinely believes he is an actual bat, to the point that he can quite often be found hanging upside down, and he also regularly consumes rats. Yeah. Oh, and this universe's Batman actually does have superpowers, unlike most traditional interpretations of him. He has ESP, extrasensory perception, he can see into the future that so Raven style, and he can even shapeshift into a bat. So I guess he's not totally off on the whole being a bat thing, but the only person who is aware of any of these superpowers is Batman himself, and it's currently unknown to the would-be readers how he got these special abilities, whether he was born with it, or if there was some sort of accident, or divine intervention, or whatever. We don't know. But I told you, absolutely insane, right? But what else do we actually know about it? And why has the series never seen the light of day? Well, as stated previously, Batman The Kingdom of the Mad was a six-issue DC miniseries to be published under their Vertigo banner. Vertigo was a DC Comics imprint that allowed for more mature content to be published than what would be found under their mainline banner. Each issue would have had a one-word title, with the first of them being titled Rats. We don't know what the other five would have been, though. The story was approved by DC, and according to Gerard Way, had, quote, crazy support from DC editors Dan DiDio and Ian Sattler. Other than that, and the info I provided on the various characters earlier, there's nothing more known about the story specifically, the setting, or any other characters who could have appeared at the time of this recording. So, even though it had all the support from the company, and Gerard Way drew the concepts all the way back before MCR recorded Danger Days in 2009, why have we yet to see all this come to fruition after a little over a decade? Well, the answer to that is actually quite simple. 
He's busy. Anticlimactic, I know. But Gerard's busy schedule, busy schedule is exactly what's keeping him from actually doing the damn thing. They want to put it out. I just never have time to write it. Way tweeted to mindless self-indulgent singer Jimmy Yarine. A lot of his comic book related escapades we've gone over, his career as a musician, like last year's MCR reunion, as well as most importantly, being both a husband and a father, probably take up a large majority of the man's time. And with each of those sketches alone taking up to three hours, that's completely understandable. I imagine that he'd want to give a project like this as much of his attention as humanly possible. I mean, it's Batman. You don't want to give a give less than 110% when you're writing for such a beloved and iconic character. Regardless, years on, and all we've seen from this intriguing project is a couple of interviews, a tweet here and there, some concept art, a few blogs, and two awesome black and white DC collectible figures based on Wii's designs for both Batman and the Joker that I am dying to get my hands on. So. What do you think of Gerard Way's yet-to-be-published, absolutely insane, Dark Batman series? Do you agree with the changes he made? Is it something that you would want to see? Do you think it's complete blasphemy and should stay as nothing more than the idea? Personally, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it be properly made and put out one day when Gerard can dedicate the proper care and attention you'd want to give to a Batman series. But. Let me know what you think about it, and let me know what other pop culture related subjects you'd like me to discuss here on the Cultureverse podcast. Whether there are other comics, books, movies, musicians, bands, whatever. Just let me know. If you have any suggestions for subjects, or suggestions for the podcast as a whole, you can find me at cultureversepod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to my inaugural episode. And I'll see you in two weeks for another discussion from the universe of popular culture.